You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team swing and a drive right field and deep that goes Aquino it's got a chance gone get out the tape measure long gone fly the W Cubs fans it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 50, Cubs Madness in Milwaukee. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook. Of course, email Crowley and I, fly the W670 at gmail.com. Well, Crowley, it uh, lived up to the hype. The Cubs and Brewers just wrapped up. North of the Cheddar Curtain, you are still up there. You went to game number three. Uh, An exciting series. Didn't go exactly the way we had all hoped, but didn't go exactly the wrong way either. Let's uh, get into it right away. Let's uh, get into game one that goes back to what? That was July the 3rd, Crowley, right? I I was broadcasting from an airport. Uh, Drew Smiley (laughs) versus uh, Julio Tehran. Yeah, man. You know, sometimes you get these series that you you, you think about, uh, you just classic epic battles, and that's what this was. Back and forth, no lead was safe. It, it was it was as, as you know, it was a fun series. Like I said, didn't go a hundred percent the way we wanted it to, but man, it was it was a crazy week of baseball. Uh, game one was the one that probably frustrated me the most. Uh, the Cubs did lose eight to six. Uh, you know, how many times have we said that this season was a tale of two games and the, you know, the Cubs offense exploded in the first three innings, scoring three in the second and three in the third, they're up six, nothing Bellinger, magical Barnhart. They all drive in runs in the second. And then Morel magical and Barnhart drove in three runs in the third. So that's four RBIs for magical and Barnhart at the bottom of the order. The and Cubs you've got to take advantage of that Crowley. When you get oh. efforts like that from guys at the bottom, those are the games you must must win. Right. And, 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 you know, you're up six, nothing, everything's looking good, but Drew Smiley, he's really struggled, uh, you know, for, for a while now, I think ever since that perfect game that kind of didn't, uh, didn't go his way. And it just, you know, you got a three, nothing lead in the top of the third, that should be, you know, plenty, but 
you know, the Brewers were able to put three on their own at the bottom of the third. You had William Contreras double, Christian Yellis triple, and Willie Adamas single. That cuts the Cubs lead to 6-3. And in the fourth inning, Smiley got into a jam walk in the first two batters, but was able to get out of it, but at a cost. With one out, Nick Magical runs into the sidewall in foul territory and, uh, you know, trying to get a foul ball. And, you know, he had – it's not going to look good. They're going to pull him from the game. And he's somebody that was really hot for the Cubs. So, you know, that that was a loss, you know. Yeah, and we'll miss him for sure. You know, so Drew Smiley was done. Fulmer came into the game out of the pen, right? It magical felt something in the right hamstring, and that was the same one he tore in 2021. And like we said, since being recalled from Iowa, he was hitting 325, 409, 466. He solidified that third base position, which was a struggle for the Cubs this entire season. Right. But he, he made our he made the hot list uh two weeks in a row. Now we get into something, Dustin, that bothers me. And this, this, I, I felt like this game was on David Ross. Okay, um, he will move Morell from DH to third to take over for Magical. Now, here's the problem with that: the rule states that if your DH, if a player serving as a DH is later used on defense, he continues to bat in the same lineup, but can't the team cannot use the DH. So now you have no DH anymore. DH is gone. You burned them. Instead of say taking it's a Jared really Young, weird, it's a really weird rule, isn't it? I, it doesn't bother me. I I I think that that's a, a fair rule, but I think that that Jared Young has played first base and third base. So why wouldn't you just take Jared Young and move him to third, and then you could put anyone? You know, you could have messed around with it a lot of way, but you didn't have to burn the DH. That that's what I'm I'm saying. The burning of the DH seems bizarre to me. That's my point. Right, and that's where I was kind of scratching my head with David Ross. What is he thinking? Uh, you know, I have no idea what's going on here. So what ends up happening is Smiley leaves the games. He only went 3.2 innings pitch. He gave up four hits, three runs, three walks, and five Ks. But Dustin, we talked about this, is that when you go, you know, when you can only go 3.2 innings, now you put a lot of stress on the bullpen. Everybody's got to look perfect for, you know, you're, you're talking about five and a half innings, five and a third innings, you know? Yep. I mean, that's got to be one of his shortest outings, right? If not the shortest so far this year. Not yet. It, it wasn't good, and it came at the worst time. So after the Cubs scored, uh, you know, six runs in the first three innings against Julio Tehran, they did nothing in the next three innings. You should have been able to knock him out, go for the knockout punch. He goes six innings. Fulmer did a good job. You went 2.1 scoreless innings after coming in for Smiley. But here's the thing. Here's the mistake number two by David Ross, right? Julian Merriweather came in, and he was not his best. He gave up a single and two walks to load the bases. Craig Council went to the left-handed pinch hitter, Jesse Winker, right, to face Merriweather. Perfect time to go with Mark Leiter Jr., who's been dominating lefties, one of your best relievers. Instead, he brings in Anthony Kay, who the Cubs picked up off the scrap heap in a bases-loaded situation. So Council brings in righty pinch hitter Jamil Jones, and, you know, what he's going to do is he's major league debut he doubles to clear the bases and now the game's timed in the six Cade walks the next batter and hits Caratini to load the bases for the second time that inning Leiter was able to get out of it but but it was just so foolish like you could have had Leiter in there and then then you Leiter could have gone against the lefty righty he's got even splits so that was the huge mistake that David Ross made there is a that lot of, a lot of people on social media Crowley a lot of places I look for Cubs uh, content and information a lot of people were wondering if uh, if uh, David Ross was going to make it through this series 
It was, it was, it was frustrating. It was, that was his, his worst game out of, out of all of them. And unfortunately lighter had a bad week. He would pitch then into the eighth after he finished the inning, he gave up three straight singles and the Brewers took their first lead seven to six. Oh, and Miller would hit a sack fly that make it eight to six. The Cubs were able to get runners in first and second with two outs against closer Devin Williams, but Dansby Swanson strikes out to end the game. The offense scored six runs on 10 hits were four for 11 with runnings and runners in scoring position. But again, after the third, the offense just dried up. But I, I really think this loss was directly on David Ross. Well, you and I will definitely agree on a couple of things, Crowley. That one, uh, David Ross has to wear it with the use of the bullpen. But that Cubs offense, the the guys that you were definitely counting on needed to step up. Again, going backwards a little bit in what we've already talked about. When you're getting production from Nick Madrigal and Tucker Barnhart You've got to take advantage of that. When those guys are producing the offense for you and your state to a 6 nothing lead, Drew Smiley also has to be a better pitcher, right, in those situations when you're staked to that kind of a lead in a series that was statement series, must-win games. You just had to be better. You had to be better. And it really, you know, we're going to get into game two, but I really had absolutely no faith on the 4th of July after that one, of course, because I work at the score and help you work on this podcast. I was listening to Pat and Ron. I decided to be outside and enjoy the uh, 4th of July heat here in Illinois a little bit, but uh, that was a tough one to uh, tough one to swallow. And again, I heard a lot of people talking, wondering if, if there was any chance on a holiday, the Cubs might make a move with David Ross. It didn't happen, obviously. No, and I, and I don't think it's going to happen this year. But, uh, I mean, he just got an extension not too long ago. It was just – it was frustrating all the way around. And then in game two, you had Kyle, Kyle Hendricks versus Wade Miley. And game two felt really similar to game one. Luckily <laughs> – Oh, did it. <laughs> luckily, Kyle Hendricks was on the mound, and he continues to look strong. He gave, he went six innings pitch, and he gave up four hits, two runs. Only one of them earned. He had five Ks to one walk. The Cubs offense, once again, early lead. Uh, they were up 4 nothing through 5. Seiya Suzuki snapped an 0-for-21 slump with a triple. Scored on a Jan Gomes double in the second. Dansby's hit a solo home run to make it 2 nothing in the third. And in the fifth, Trey Mancini hit a sack fly, and Cody Bellinger hit uh, two-out RBI, uh, uh, two RBI single to make it 4 to nothing. And so, you know, everything's looking good. But just like the game before, Milwaukee starts to chip away. Bryce Terang single to put the Brewers on the board in the fifth to make it four to one. Then in the sixth, we had some controversy. Okay. With one out, Christian Yelich singles. He steals second. Jesse's Winker strikes out. So you got two outs, and William Contreras is up to bat. He hits a slow roller up the first baseline. And instead of staying in the runner's lane, which is kind of in foul territory, he's right on the line. And so Miguel Amaya's had no throwing lane. Contreras should have been called out for interference when Amaya's throw got past Trey Mancini. The Brewers are going to score their second run to make it four to two. And Ross was upset with home plate umpire, Eric Bacchus, but you know, the call is the call and he's not going to change it. Um, the big difference though here is unlike the day before the Cubs were able to add runs to their lead late, they scored when Miguel Amaya hit a clutch two out double to score Jared Young and Cody Bellinger. And it looked like the Cubs had a safe six, two lead going into the bottom of the eighth. Unfortunately, Mark Leiter Jr. had another bad outing, his second in a row, hitting the first battery faces and giving up a single to William Contreras Rowdy, and Rowdy Teles to make it 6-3. to three. With two outs, Albert Alzali came into the game and Willie Adamas hit a double to make it 6-4. to four. But Alzali got out of it. Now the Cubs' lead was only two to runs. Alzali continued in the bottom of the ninth. He gave up three singles to make it 6-5. 
hit a batter, gave up a sack fly, and the Brewers have tied it all up again, and Cub fans are just going crazy. <laughs> and at yes. this point, Crowley, my power has gone out, so now I'm hoping that my my Alexa has gone out. I'm on the I'm on the app on my cell phone, but can't watch any of it on TV. House is warming up, and I've got people over for a cookout. Yeah, not not good. You know, <laughs> not, not a good situation for anyone at that point. And so, you know, we get to the tenth. You got the uh, Manford man. The Cubs hit into an unlucky double play on the top of the tenth. We head to the bottom of the inning, and Ross had used Merriweather, Leiter Jr., and Adbert Alzali. So in this critical moment, who does he, does he call? Daniel Palencia. He was a starter last year in South Bend. They converted him this season to a reliever, climbed up to Tennessee and then Iowa, and now he's here in MLB debut in a game with huge implications, and he has a runner on second because we're in extras. After the first out, Owen Miller singled, and the Brewers decided to test the arm of Ian Happ. Ian gunned down Andrew Montesirio at the plate, and Miguel Maya alertly threw it to second. Miller made it, but he overslid the bag, jumped back, and Nico jumped at him at the same time for the tag for a 7-2-4 double play to get out of the inning. That was then- so aw- that was so <laughs> awesome. That was so awesome. Um, and Amaya has not been given enough credit for that heads-up play. That was a really really heads up play. Absolutely brilliant. And there's an awesome photo. If you can find it online of, of Nico tagging yes. uh, Montessario, it's, it's phenomenal. So, you know, the Cubs have life again. And so Cody Bellinger starts the 11th at the top and this on, on, on second wisdom grounds out, but then a wild pitch moved Bellinger to third. Amaya struck out. Nico hit a clutch two out single to put the Cubs up seven to six. Then Dansby Swanson was up to bat and home plate umpire, Eric Bacchus forgot what the count was. Okay. He called Swanson out on strikes, even though there was only two strikes. First base coach, Mike Napoli had some words for Bacchus. Uh, Andy Fletcher's the first base umpire and the crew chief. He tosses Napoli. Ross comes out and gives it to both Fletcher and Bacchus. He gets tossed out. You know, obviously (laughs) Ross was upset. There's a couple bad calls, not a lot, but you know, the interference call that was never made got was Ross mad. And then the Brewers kind of played some games with the roof. You're not supposed to change the roof. Kind of. Kind of played some games. Yeah, playing some games there. <laughs> and they closed the roof. You're not allowed to do that. And so he was mad about that. So uh, we have clips of how happy uh, David Ross was <laughs> after that game. It, was, it wasn't It was quite up to Lee Elia standards, but it was pretty no. good for Grandpa Rossi. <laughs> you know, so you, with the Cubs leading 7-6, to six, Milwaukee had one more chance with a runner on second and Palencia still on the mound. Ramil Tapia grounds out. Owen Miller, the man for man, goes to third with one out. Then Bryce Trank flat out to Hap. They tried out Hap's arm one more time. And Hap threw Miller out from home to end the game. Dustin, how's this one? With Ian Hap recording two outfield assists at home plate, one in the 10th and the 11th, Hap became the first player with two outfield assists in extra innings in the same game since Andy Chavez did it for the Mets against the Giants June 4th, 2006. It's crazy. It's so crazy. I mean, I'm actually surprised it was that recent, honestly. I mean, that's a crazy, crazy stat. Right, and Daniel Palencia became the fourth Cubs reliever since 2000 to earn a win in his major league debut. The last one was Hayden Wisniewski, September 6, 2022, versus Cincinnati. But as we talked about, David Ross angry. This is the comments, and uh, this was on Marquee. I, I, I saw this on Marquee, and I'm going, oh, my God, they didn't. nobody had the dump button. Who's in charge of that? So here's what, here's what David Ross had to say and what everybody got to hear. Just sporting the close, and so um... – it's got to be better, you know, 
they're closing the roof to get rid of the shadows. Like, there's a lot of bullshit that went on today that just was really frustrating. I fucking thought it was horseshit. I don't fucking know. There we go. David Ross getting a little spicy, huh? The first real spicy words on the Fly the W670 podcast. Courtesy of David Ross. (laughs) You know, so the Cubs win, and, and, you know, now all of a sudden everyone's fired up. I get on, uh, we go to a bar, we get on one of those shuttles to Milwaukee, uh, Miller, uh, Miller stadium, AmFam, whatever they call it. Now it's Justin Steele versus Adrian Hauser. And that was another crazy game. Again, all of these end up being tied up at the end of the eighth, ninth inning. Justin Steele looked okay. He went six innings, gave up three runs on nine hits and five K's. Uh, I thought he gave up, you know, there's a lot of hits in the third inning with the Cubs up one, nothing Andrew Montessario singles Steele got the next two out. And then William Contreras singled to tie the game. Then in the sixth, Willie Adamas homer to put the Brewers ahead two to one. They weren't done as Jamal Jones singled, stole second, and with two outs, Brian Anderson singled to put the Brewers up three to one. Rucker pitched two innings. He didn't give up any hits, but he walked three batters. Can't do that. And so I'm sitting here, you're down three one, and, and you're you're looking at the Brewers bullpen and you're starting to get a little nervous. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and the Cubs had plenty of chances, Dustin, but they struggled to drive in runs. They had runners in each of the first five innings. Uh, the Cubs scored in the third inning with two outs. Ian Happ single to make it one nothing, but Dansby Swanson hit into a double play to end the threat. In the fifth, the Cubs loaded the bases with one out, but once again, Swanson grounds into a double play to end the inning. In the seventh, Dansby was pulled from the game with a heel injury trying to beat out that second double play. So the Cubs have all these chances, you know, to, to score some runs. They don't do anything. And now you got all-star closer Devin Williams coming into the game. So you got Devin Williams coming into the game. And not only that, Dustin, just the Cubs are not a come-from-behind team. They haven't been in a long while. And and so, you know, I'm just sitting there. I'm watching and saying to myself, oh, let's just get it over with so I can get back home and grab a few more beers. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what ends up happening is, is that Bellinger hits a single. Morrell struck out, but then Jared Young singles. He had runners at first and second with one out. Gomes grounded out and the runners do not advance. But then Bellinger, uh, or I'm sorry, Bellinger advanced to third. And the Cubs were down to their final out. But then the Palatine Pounder himself, Mike Palatine Talkman, Pounder. He doubles, he doubles, and that is going to score Young and Bellinger, and it's a, it's a whole new ball game, tied game. And then Nico grounded out to third, or grounded to the third baseman, but Andrew, Brian Anderson threw it low. Owen Miller tries to dig it out, but the ball kind of pops out of his mitt, and then he can't find where it is. And Talkman never stops running. He scores from second to put the Cubs ahead four to three. Alzali came in and closed it down in the ninth. The victory marked the Cubs first when trailing, entering the ninth inning this season. Unbelievable. Unbelievable stat there. They are. They are now one and 39 when coming into the ninth inning, the Cubs had lost 112 consecutive games in which they trailed by multiple runs in the ninth inning or later, the second longest active streak in the majors. Unbelievable. I, I mean, I, I, I didn't think they had a chance, but God bless the fact that they, uh, they uh, did uh, win that one. I loved, I absolutely loved Al Zale's reaction. I, yeah. I mean, unbelievable reaction to, uh, to getting that save. And that was a big moment. And Hey, you know, it was also, you could have seen David Ross maybe 
not wanting to give him that opportunity again, right? Um, after what had happened earlier in the series. So um, good that he went back to the well, not that he's got a ton of options, but I just, I just absolutely loved, loved, loved his reaction to winning that game. You, you want to get a bounce back after, you know, he struggled the night before or the day before. And so, you know, it's good. I, I was happy for him. You know, sometimes it works out like it did with uh, uh, Al's and sometimes it doesn't like it did all week with uh, Mark Leiter Jr., you know? Right. Mark Leiter Jr. Not exactly uh, uh, looking forward to a trip back up to Milwaukee. I don't think anytime soon. No, that takes us to game four, and, and I'm feeling good, right? The Cubs up 2-1, you got your ace on your mound, and then, you know, Devin Williams is totally burned up. He threw, I forget how many, over 20-some pitches in that inning. So you got a feeling that you're not, you know, even if it's a close one, which you kind of knew it would be, you wouldn't have to see that guy. Marcus Stroman was cruising through the first four innings, but the wheels fell off in the fifth. Ramil Tapia singles. He steals second. Stroh strikes out Brian Anderson, but then like a key sequence with former Cub Victor Caratini happens. He's at the plate and Marcus gets ahead of him one and two on that second called strike. Caratini begins arguing with the ump. Now nah, that pitch was no good. Da, 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 da. Arguing about the pitch. It gets to a three, two count and Stroman throws a pitch even better than the one he got called on strike two, but error, but, but, but the umpire is going to call it a ball. And so Caratini walks Brian Terrain would fly out, but it, it, that would have been the third out of the inning. But instead, because of that walk, Joey Weimer singles, the game's tied at one, and then Chris, the resurgent Christian Yelich hit a three-run homer to give the Brewers a four-to-one lead, and you're going, ah, no, no, I can't believe it, too good to happen. But the Cubs are going to fight back. They hit uh, In the top of the sixth, Cody Bellinger hit a two-run blast to make it four-to-three. The Brewers would get one back when uh, Mark Ladder Jr., who struggled, like I said, walked Yelich, who stole second, advanced to third on a throwing air by Gomes. Willie Adamas hits a sack fly to put the Brewers up five to three. But Jan Gomes ties it up in the top of the eighth with a two-run mammoth home run. And, and everybody's excited, but unfortunately, Vic Caratini hits a mammoth home run of himself. I mean, that was, that was a no-doubter. I mean, that he was a- absolutely, positively um, – blasted that ball. I mean, n- never a doubt. No, no. And, and, and I don't know why Victor Caratini turns into a freaking all-star every time he faces the Cubs. Apparently he's still angry about that. You Darvish trade. I don't know, but you know, that's, he keeps doing it to the Cubs. And, and so that's You know, Michael Fulmer is the one that gave that home run up. Cubs had no more comebacks left in them as they would lose six to five. Like we talked about at the top of the show, man, an absolutely entertaining week of baseball. But unfortunately for the Cubs, they gain no ground at a, at a point in time where they really got to start doing something if they don't want to become sellers. Right. And a little uh, little added value to the podcast, Crowley. I just saw a tweet. Um, Stroman said he's not sure if he'll even attend the All-Star game. He is definitely not going to be pitching in Seattle. Yeah. That, yeah. So, you know, it's a. Uh... You know, I think that the Bre- the Brewers have a lot of confidence. And, and you look at this team, and it's funny because you said who earlier. And you could say this about a lot of these guys, but they keep finding a way to win. And every time I watch the Brewers, and I keep saying this, I think that Craig Council is the best manager in the NL Central. And I think he's far and away better than David Ross's. Yeah, I, I have to agree, even though I don't want to agree because I don't like Craig Council. He doesn't do much for me. I, I just find him to be uh, <clears throat> a whiny uh, bitch for lack of a better term. Most of the time, he's always got the bitter beer face going. Um, just not a fan of the guy. 
Yeah, but but he sure knows how to coach it. And like I said, this is a team you look at these guys and and look at look at what they're doing. So one other thing we should probably include is that uh, no Dansby Swanson in that game either. Correct. So no Dansby Swanson, and so, so I wonder, you know, does Dansby Swanson play in New York? Does Dansby Swanson also not go out to the All Star game? Something to have to absolutely keep an eye on. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It is season number two. It is episode number 50. And in this part of the podcast, Crawley interviews Greg Hughes from Northside Bound to discuss the current state of the Cubs farm system. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have Greg Hughes from Northside Bound. Greg, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm glad to be back on. I uh, I know we we had some trouble organizing this because I had <laughs> we had storms down here and and had a had a bad power outage for quite some time. So I'm glad I'm, I'm finally able to hop on and and talk prospects. That's what I do. I talk prospects. So might as well do it here. Right, you do that for Northside Bound, and 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 you guys kind of did something that was really fun. It was called Prospect List Week. Um, tell everybody that, that may not be familiar with what you guys do over at Northside bound, what's prospect list week. Yeah. So, so over at northsidebound.com, that's, we, we cover Cubs prospects. That's the only thing we do. We, we cover a lot of Cubs prospects and it's, uh, found, uh, co-founded by me and then Greg Zumak and Todd Johnson, uh, as well as, as Jimmy Nelligan back in the day. Um, and then we, we brought on a, a couple other writers and photographers and, and the whole squad, um, so we just we cover Cubs prospects. That's what we do. And this past week, uh, last week, we did our midseason updates of our prospect lists. So um, it, we kind of wanted to hit on on updating those lists right as we led into draft season drafts coming up uh, this upcoming weekend. Um, but we wanted to update our, our, our list. And, and we figured the way that we look at it is between me, Todd and Greg Zumak. Uh, we all look at prospects in different ways. You know what I mean? Like I, I value something in a prospect differently than what Todd does. Um, and so we kind of all wanted to put together our individual list. And we did that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of last week. And then we came in behind that and did kind of our cumulative list. We took, we gave scoring, we gave points for all of our rankings. 
and gave a north side bound cumulative list on Thursday. And then on Friday, I put together um, it was a fan driven, fan created prospect rankings, which was really fun. Uh, basically, I gave fans everywhere the opportunity to vote on who they would rank higher as far as prospects go. And it spit out basically, basically, it's your favorite prospects. Um, and we got over 70,000 votes on that, on that uh, pro- fan driven prospect list. So it was a, 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 a week full of lists, that's for sure. <laughs> and so I wanted to talk to you about your list right here because, you know, we're kind of, I guess at the major league level, you know, we're starting to wonder buyers and sellers. And, and this kind of gets to a point if you are, I don't know if they're going to be buyers, to be honest with you, but if you are a buyer, these are the prospects that people are going to be kind of, these are the list, same type of list that people are going to be going over to see who they want to trade. If the Cubs, you know, were interested in trying to pick up somebody with, you know, postseason experience or, or big name players. So, it, it, you know, when I look here, you divided it up into tiers, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. Which was, which was important because I think that it, I, I feel like people take too literally the difference between a guy ranked seven and ranked eight or whatever it might be. And it's like, really, I, I would listen to arguments within these tiers I created. I think I went six tiers, I think is what I did. Within those tiers, I would listen to any argument of, of a player ranked um, say 26 versus a player ranked 18. If, if you think that the 26th ranked player is better than the 18th ranked player, fine by me. I'm not going to argue too much. I'll listen to what you have to say. It's important to keep in mind those tiers, not necessarily just like one, two, three, four, all the way down to 40. You know what I mean? Right. And, and so, I mean, I think there, there's very little dispute over who's number one in the <laughs> eyes of pretty much everybody. And that's PCA. Um, the question now, cause he's going to be playing in the futures game coming up during the all-star break is does PCA get promoted after say the, uh, the futures game up to Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, if, if I was betting, I would bet. Yeah. That, that his, his time, um, once he hits the futures game, his time in double A is up. I think that, that we probably see him assigned to triple A Iowa coming out of the futures game. I, I, I don't have any any background knowledge of that. I haven't talked to anybody who's told me that. I just, I think that seems like a pretty logical step for him to go up to to triple a after that, after that game. And, and what do you think he's done this season that impressed you the most so far compared to last season? I think what's impressed me the most with PCA is that he's continued to do what he did last year. Right. So last year it was, it was that power that he was showcasing that we didn't, we really didn't expect to see that power at all when he came into the Cubs system. Um, and so he showcased some power down in Myrtle beach and down in South bend, um, his first full season with the Cubs system. And we were kind of entering this season. We're like, all right, is that legit? Like, is that really going to continue? Or is that, that just kind of an anomaly? What are we looking at with PCA? And it's continued on this year. And that's super, super important. I think that's, that's a, a huge element in like making sure that he is not just that. I mean, I say just, but not just that gold glove caliber defender in center field. Like he's a bat to go along with it. So it's the fact that he's like proven that that pop in his bat is not something that he left back in 2022. Now, you know, when I take a look at your top tier, your tier two, those are looking more at the top 100 guys. And I remember when Kane Horton was drafted, there was a lot of people that were unhappy with that draft pick, but the more he pitches, the more and more he's starting to change people's minds. Yeah, dude, I, Honestly, this is kind of perfect, like talking about Cade Horton here as the draft is getting ready to happen. And we know like we know the Cubs are going to draft somebody on Sunday and fans are going to freak out. Like They're going to be like, oh, this is the worst pick in the entire world. It's like, 
we don't know. Like we <laughs> we can't say that within five minutes after the Cubs drafting a first rounder that he's an awful pick. Like we can't say it because that's what happened last year, right? People went out and said that Cade Horton was the worst pick ever. That they they were looking at his ERA. They looked at his college ERA from last year and said, oh. This is a guy that had a four and a half ERA or a five ERA or whatever he had, and said like he was he was an awful pick. And it's like, man, if the Cubs didn't didn't take him, then the next team was going to take him. You know what I mean? And it's like now he's proving that why like you can't necessarily look at that full ERA as he's coming off Tommy John surgery before he he developed that slider before he was like the pitcher that he's he is today. So um, he's been Kate has been incredibly incredibly impressive i have my as my number two ranked prospect in the system right now um i think that there there's that that uh, grouping of Cade and ben brown and jordan wicks and jackson ferris those are the top four guys for sure in terms of pitching in my eyes um but i've got Cade above all of them i think he's just really impressed me between the fastball slider curveball change of all four pitches have been a lot better than what i expected I, I guess i expected the slider to be really good but besides that all the other ones have been really solid now you mentioned Ben Brown and Jordan Wicks and some of those guys. Um, obviously, Kate is in South Bend right now, but Jordan Wicks just got promoted to Iowa, and Ben Brown's been in Iowa for a little bit. You know, who knows what's going to happen at the trade deadline? Say you do lose Marcus Stroman, and they decide to be sellers, uh, or let's God forbid, even Kyle Hendricks. You know, any anything's in there. Who do you see as being? You know, obviously Ben. If you talk about Ben Brown and Jordan Wicks, which of the two do you think makes it up first? Um, I'm going to go with Ben Brown because he's already 40 man. He's already on the 40 man roster, but, uh, and he made it up to Iowa first, but I don't feel real confident in saying Ben Brown over Jordan Wicks. I mean, like you said, Jordan, they're both a triple A now. Uh, they profile super, super different. Like they're, they're different pitchers entirely. Ben Brown, um, is kind of that, that two pitch mix guy where he's got a really good fastball and a really good breaking ball. I know he calls them like a, a separate curveball and a separate uh, slider, but really to me, it, it's just manipulating the same breaking ball. I'd have to talk to him a little bit more about the grip that he ha- that he has with that. But um, and then and I think that he has potential to be like a top of the rotation, like a number two type guy in a in a, in a rotation. But he also the the floor is way lower than Brown, where like he he could fizzle out. He could be like a reliever and a, and a pretty damn good reliever too. Uh, but a reliever where Jordan Wicks, I view him as like a number three, number four, number five starter long term. And like that, like he just shouts like number three, number four starter to me. Um, now, so because they're so different, it's hard to like say who's going to be in Chicago first, you know? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm kind of looking at the list. And the one thing that shocked me was when they re-signed Ian Happ. I mean, you know, for a lot of different reasons, but one of them being, you know, I look at your list and how many of these players, how many of these top players are outfielders. You have Kevin Alcantara, who's in uh, South Bend. You have Mm -hmm. Owen Casey, who's in, uh, who's in uh, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're looking at some of these guys, you know, Brennan Davis, unfortunately the injuries kind of keep setting him back a little bit, but you still also have Alex Canario, who is, back from his stint on the IL from that horrible injury he suffered this winter. What have mm. you noticed about Canario since he's come back? Yeah, so he's been he's been down in, in South Bend, and he still has that it's, – it's too soon to tell for sure, right? I, I think he's still working his way back from injury. He is still down in South Bend on 
I think it's, I don't know if it's technically a rehab assignment or technically just an assignment to, to South Bend, but whatever it is, um, I, I think it's important to keep an eye on that explosiveness because that's what makes Alexander Canario like so, so impressive. Uh, the, the, the numbers aren't looking good yet, but it's like, I don't, I, I really couldn't care less from a guy coming back from an injury like this. So, uh, it's worth keeping an eye on that explosiveness. I, I, I haven't, I haven't seen enough to say, yes, it's for sure back or no, it's, 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 it's gone. It's gone forever. You know what I mean? So too soon to tell on that, but you mentioned like the Ian Happ extension and how it's, well. I, I, I think that come, even coming from a prospect guy like me, I know you're a prospect guy too, that like, I, I, to me, like you extend good players. Right. I, I could not care less like about like you could have the number one the number one system in all of baseball annually like every single year but if you have a good player like you keep it like in the major leagues you keep them on on your roster um and then you deal with what to like you, you deal with the Dodgers issue of the past like what 15 20 years where it's like all right once once the 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 prospect is major league ready then you figure out what to do you deal from your your major league roster you deal from your prospects that are ready whatever you need to do but yeah i mean i think that brandon davis is a good example right where like you 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 you're very hopeful for prospects but you can't bank on them and I, that that's where i I've, I've tried to hit home that point um for a decade in covering prospects now is that, that you're, you can always be hopeful you can always be optimistic but it's just if you're if you're relying on your major league team to like on a guy who's in double A or a guy who's in high A, then you're not constructing your major league team correctly. Now, I know sometimes you and I have talked about like the highs and lows that come with a prospect and everybody was clamoring for Matt Mervis, get him up to the big leagues. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, it just, it really is hard when you get up there and now you don't hear too much about Matt Mervis. How's he doing since coming back to triple A in your opinion? Yeah, he's looked good. He's looked good back in AAA. Um, I think that I think that fans did a pretty decent job of like tempering their expectations and not putting Matt Mervis's the savior expectations on him because that wasn't fair to him. He's gonna go through an adjustment period. All prospects go through an adjustment period. It depends on if it's right out the gate, it depends on if they're they're explosive and then struggle like Christopher Morel did last year. Um, Matt Mervis is definitely too good for AAA. Um, and he's proving that in returning back to AAA after his major league stints. Um, but just because you're too good for AAA does not mean you can't continue to work on things. Um, so he took what he what he learned from being not quite good enough at the major league level, and he can work on those things specifically down in AAA. I think that's super, super important. Now, who would you say that wasn't on your list last year that is on your list this year that really excites you? Who are a couple of guys that all of a sudden you're like, Okay, th this this is a guy right here. We got something here. Yeah, I think that I'll go with two guys. One that was on my list previously, but has risen pretty like pretty significantly, and then one that was not on my list at all, um, and is now a top fifteen guy in the system. First guy is Moises Ballesteros, who I had pretty pretty far. I mean, not not pretty far down my list. I, I was I was optimistic about him, but he's just been so damn good this year. Um, he's he's a nineteen year, nineteen year old catcher as of right now, um, up in South Bend. And the what he does at the plate is extraordinary. Um, I he is hitting for power. Um, he's using all fields. He is not striking out. He is walking a ton. Uh, he looks really, really strong at the plate. It, it, it reminds me a lot of what we saw from Owen Casey when he was a younger player. Well, I mean, he's still only twenty years old. But when Owen Casey was down in low A and single A or and, and high A. Um, when he, what he did at the plate, Moises Ballesteros reminds me a lot of that, 
but he's also not striking out. Owen Casey has always written a strikeout rate close to 30%. Moises Ballesteros is down closer to 15%. So um, really strong performance from Moises Ballesteros. He is now the number 10 prospect in my, in my, in the system, in my, in my eyes, really, really strong. And then the other guy who was not on a list at all, and now he's up to 14 is Jefferson Rojas, who is a middle infielder. He's a shortstop, second baseman, third baseman. He's been managed shortstop for the most part um, down in, in, in low A uh, Myrtle beach. And Jefferson Rojas like looks the part dude. Like he's, he's 18 years old. Um, but he's, he's kind of built already. I don't know if you got the chance to see him at all, but he's kind of built for an 18. I mean, not kind of, he's definitely built for an 18 year old. He's built in general. Uh, but he looks good at the plate, uh, pretty fluid at the plate. Like not a whole lot of wasted movement for the most part. Um, and good movements out in the field too. So Jefferson Rojas is a guy who's really, really popped on the radar. I, I, I got to, like I said, when I went to Myrtle beach, it was phenomenal. Cause I did get to see Jefferson. Um, I did get to see Moises and t- I actually talked to Moises a little bit yeah. and that, that was really cool. And then the other guy is Michael Arias that I was just like, Oh my God. You, yeah. You, you know, like you can only, you could see so much on TV and feeds, but like I was in like the first row and I'm like watching this kid, like just absolutely deal. And I'm like, Oh man, this guy's, this guy's got something. He's nasty, dude. My, Michael Arias is, he's, he's gross. He is, I compared him on my, my article to Luis Devers from last year in terms of how he popped onto radars um, and how his like best out pitches is change up. But what Michael Arias has that Luis Devers did not have last year is a high nineties fastball um, and a pretty good slider to go with it, right? The command isn't not isn't isn't quite as there, but it's gotten better as the season's worn on. Michael Arias is gross, dude. Like he's he is nasty. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching him play, and so and, and pitch. It was just phenomenal. And and you know, one guy that's on your list that made his major league debut was Daniel Palencia, who, who you know, just out of you know, he, boom, here he is up in in Milwaukee, and his first game, they they they. He's in the extra innings in the 10th and 11th inning. What did you think of that? Uh, yeah, throwing him into the fire, man. Holy crap. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I think that if there's a guy that's going to take that pretty smoothly, it'd be Daniel Palencia, and he did. Uh, he, he's just got, like, that closer mentality. Uh, since I mean, Now, it's worth pointing out, like, he was just converted to the bullpen literally, like, a little over a month ago. So this is brand new. And, and there's a lot of like different, like small things you don't realize that go into that conversion to the bullpen. It's like how to properly like warm up, like how to make, make sure you're ready at the, like the drop of a hat to start warming up and then get in the game. And like, you're going back to back days. You're going every other day. Like your, your schedule is just a lot different on how you take care of your arm, how you approach getting ready, all that good stuff. And he's still getting used to that. Like that, that's still going to take some time. But we know that we know that Daniel Palencia is really, really electric on the mound, right? We saw this. Uh, we saw this week uh, the fastball in the triple digits. Um, we saw that the, the, he has a slider. He has really, really good stuff. Um, and I'm I'm so excited to see him up in up in Chicago, dude. I'm like I'm really excited. I, I think it's happened way faster than I would imagine. Remember, this guy was in High A last year. He was right. pitching out of the rotation in in South Bend last year, and now he's in Chicago. That's that's pretty wild. That's that's the thing that blows my mind is how quick he went through the system. Yeah, and and you know the the one thing about your list that kind of made me laugh is is, is your Miguel Amaya, and it was, you know, we we've gotten a chance to see Miguel, and and it just seems like he plays with a lot of control and wisdom for such a young guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's 
is, is that, you know, I think a lot of Cub fans would like to see a little bit more of Miguel Amaya. Yeah, he's always, like, even when he was super, super young in the lower levels of the system, he's always been a guy that's way more mature than what his age would indicate, right? Um, every pitcher that I ever talked to and asked specifically about Miguel Amaya said that they love throwing to him, that they love having him as their catcher. Um, and that goes along with that. That means something, you know, I, I think that's important. So, um, yeah, Miguel Amaya has really, really impressed. And I think that at this point, like he's, he's, he's pretty close to being back to like what we dreamed of him being right. Like when he was in the lower levels, like we dreamed of him being a starting caliber catcher, at the major league level. And then he had those injuries and it's like, all right, well, he kind of fell down lists. The expectations kind of fell, but he's like, he, he was injured for quite some time and he missed that 2020 season. Like, it was a rough time for him. And now it's like back where like he's a borderline top 100 guy in the, or in, in, in all of baseball. You know, he's a borderline top 100 guy. And and there, there's a fine line. Dude. Like there's with catchers. There's such a fine line between a catcher that is a starting caliber catcher and a catcher that is a like a, a backup. But the difference is, is like the value in those two players, a starting versus a backup catcher is like huge like that's like a, a three or four win different like i guess three win difference in a player but the it's a fine line in their, their development path so it's really interesting with miguel amaya and with a guy like pablo Aliendo farther down the system you know I, and the other thing that we've noticed is, is that pairing of kyle hendricks with miguel amaya that's got to be helpful for him as well you know i love it man i i think that, i think that is i I don't know whose idea it was, but I'm about it. I, I love whoever's <laughs> idea it was. I, I think that makes all the sense in the world, especially with Kyle calling his own pitches. I think that, that Miguel Amaya did a good job of calling pitches um, himself coming up through the system and, and managing a pitching staff. But like, dude, like working with working working with Kyle Hendricks is about as good of a, as good as it gets. Right. That's just a totally different education and and you know, it, what, the one thing I always keep saying is, you know, it looked like for a while that the Cubs had like, you know, that, that catcher was a position that the Cubs were really not doing much with in the minors. Now you're taking a look. You mentioned Pablo, Pablo and Aliendo. You you mentioned, you know, Moises Ballesteros. Now we got Miguel Amaya and there's a couple other guys too that, you know, it looks like catcher is now a position of strength for the Cubs. Yeah, I... So I, I, I don't know what I, I don't think I'm on your show. I, I was on a show, a guest spot on a show uh, this past offseason when the Cubs um, did not resign when they didn't bring back Wilson Contreras. And I was talking about how I was just not surprised at all that they didn't bring Wilson Contreras back. And my, my thinking was that the Cubs have always, always, always loved a catcher that manages the pitching staff that has all those like other qualities besides like hitting the ball hard and, and, and playing electric defense and stuff like that. Um, they love that. And they have that scattered all throughout their entire system. Pablo Miguel Amaya was that guy is that guy. Pablo Aliendo is that guy where he can throw out runners. He plays good defense. He manages like players love him in the clubhouse. Um, Bryce Windham is a guy in triple a right now that um, he doesn't hit the ball hard. He's not, he's not hitting for hardly any power at the plate. But he doesn't strike out. He walks a decent amount, and and he's super super athletic. He's a freak athlete, and pitchers love throwing to him. Uh, Ethan Hearn is a guy farther down, not hitting a lick down in in South Bend, but pitchers love him. So um, the Cubs have been developing this catching system throughout the entire organization that they just love these type of guys. And anything you're getting in addition to that, any like any offensive output from Pablo Valiendo or Miguel Amaya is just icing on the cake, really. Well, Greg, I appreciate you taking some time to hop out there. Where can our readers go online and and and, and your website to, to find more of your content? 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Out of the Vines. You can find my podcast, Cubs on Deck, uh, anywhere where you listen to this podcast. Um, Apple, Spotify, you can watch us on YouTube, all that good stuff. Um, and then overall on uh, northsidebound.com, I mentioned the draft is coming up. Um, and we are going to have a live draft show over at the Northsidebound YouTube page. I will not be hosting this year, but um, uh, my fellow podcast and, and, and writing hosts, uh, Todd Johnson and Greg Zumak will be hosting that live draft show that is happening at 6 p.m. on Sunday night. Be sure to tune into that. And we can see who the Cubs draft with their first overall pick. And we'll be looking to see your write-ups. Thanks for jumping on, Greg. I appreciate it, Carly. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, great job as usual, Crowley. This is Cubs Madness in Milwaukee. It's the Fly the W podcast, and it's season two. It's episode 50. Let's get into some news, some roster moves, and preview a huge series as the Cubs go out east and take on the Yankees. Yep, as you just said, Marcus Stroman said he's not sure if he'll attend the All-Star game. And so, you know, that I was kind of surprised to hear that because it's not like he's been to a whole bunch of them, but he has struggled the last three starts out going back to the, the game in London, you know. And so I, I don't know. I just know this about Stroman. I think he probably wants to reset himself and just wants to get away from all distractions. But, you know, I, I'm just, I was kind of surprised because I know he's a, you know, he, he really loves his, he's got a, a young son. I thought he might, you know, how a lot of the players bring their kids and they're yep. on the field watching the yep. home run derby. I thought for sure that Marcus would, you know, because he was, everyone knew he wasn't going to pitch, right? So because of just the way that the, the lineup's kind of, you know, you're right here. But I, uh, yeah, surprising, you know, so. And, and we do have some more news as far as the home run derby, that field set. So we can talk about that in the next episode, see who you like. But uh, it, it's going to go, it's number one seed, Luis Ro, uh, Robert Jr. from the White Sox against Adley Rushman. Pete Alonso is the number two seed against Julio Rodriguez, number seven. Mookie Betts, number three seed versus Glad- Vladdy Gr- uh, Guerrero Jr., number six. I thought that was a little low for uh, Vladito, but okay. Number four, Adelis Garcia versus five, Randy Arena. And I don't know, I, I've heard this, you know, kind of just swirling around as if one of these guys drops out, wouldn't it be fun to see what Chris Morrell could do in that kind of setting? Yeah, it would be. It would definitely be interesting to see. But I think, you know, talking about a guy who needs to get a little time off and get reset, I think that's Christopher Morrell as well. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it if he was in the game. I wouldn't hate it. You, you never know with a guy like him if he's ever going to have another opportunity. So it, it might be fun, you know. And, and he's a guy that really, you know, loves to put on a show. I just wonder, you know, I, I think he would do good under the lights. That, that's my opinion. Yep. Yeah, and, may, and who knows? Maybe it would be good for him on the flip side. Maybe I'm maybe I'm reading it completely wrong. All right, Crowley, we've got 
a monster list of roster moves and injury <laughs> reports. Some of it we've worked in already earlier in the show, but let's give everybody a full rundown here. Yeah, we got Patrick Wisdom was activated from the 10-day IL. Good to have him back. Nick Madrigal goes on the 10-day IL with a right hamstring strain. It's a moderate strain, unfortunately. Uh, Daniel Palencia, as we talked about, was selected from Iowa. Hayden Wigzniski was optioned to AAA, and people were wondering why that was. It looks like they're going to try to stretch him out again, and, and it looks like he's going to have another crack at starting. So uh, Jamison Tayon better start doing something because it looks like uh, they may try to be giving yeah. Hayden well, another they're shot. Definitely, they're definitely stretching him out. We had, uh, we had Tommy Hadovy on the other day, and that's, not what they're, that's what they're doing, no doubt about it. Right. As you talked about, Dansby was diagnosed with a left heel contusion. Uh, we'll see if he has any playing time in New York. Uh, Brad Boxbury went to the 60-day IL. That made room for Palencia. And Adrian Sampson is back from injury and assigned a AAA. And I don't know if people remember this. When the Cubs did their huge trade-off in 2021, the very first person traded was Jock Peterson was traded to the Braves for first baseman Bryce Ball. He has been released from the Cubs minor league system. <laughs> so that is that there. Thank you, Crowley. I, got, I mean, thank you for filling us in on that one. I'm like – wait a minute, are, are the Cubs actually going to have another first baseman? Because that is a position that uh, is really a concern for me right now overall, but we don't have time to get into that at this exact moment. All right, Crowley, Cubs at Yankees, uh, going to go see their buddy Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, the last season the Yankees finished first in the AL East with a 99-63 and record. Aaron Judge had a monster season. 62 home runs and was named the AL MVP. They beat the Guardians in the ALDS, but were swept by the Astros in the ALCS. And the Astros, you know, would go on to win the World Series. Some big moves for them last uh, this offseason. They re-signed Aaron Judge, who was a free agent. There was the worries that he would end up in San Fran. They signed Carlos Rodon, former White Sox pitcher, right, and went to San Fran. Anthony Rizzo, they re-signed again, and right-handed pitcher Tommy Canley. They lost Andrew Benatendi, who went to the south side. Jamison Tyone, who came to us, unfortunately, right now. Uh, DH Matt Carpenter, Chad Green, Araldis Chapman. They lost uh, Miguel Castro and Lucas Ludic. Remember that weird stuff with uh, Chapman last year that he just basically like quit on the team? Yeah, he's a strange cat. I, you know, obviously he was a huge reason why the Cubs were able to do what they did, but uh, I'd like to scrub him away if that's all possible. Now the Yankees this year are 48 and 39. Pretty good record, huh? You would take that. We would take that here in Chicago. They are eight games back of the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're behind the Baltimore Orioles. So you remember the Cubs did pretty well against Baltimore, so who knows? Maybe they'll do well against the Yankees. Well, the scary part, Crowley, is that uh, Jamison Tyone is going in uh, game number one. And as you nicely pointed out, that you can't spell Tyone without an L. And he's going up against Carlos Rodon, who's making his debut, his Yankees debut against the Cubs at Yankee Stadium Friday night. Yep. What else can we say about Jamison Tyone? Uh, he's in the last three games. He's been uh, charged with losses. Uh, he went five innings, gave up four runs against Cleveland. Against Philly, went five innings, gave up five earned runs and took the loss. Against Baltimore, 5.1, he gave up four earned runs, took the loss. I mean, that's just what you're getting from Tyone right now is you're getting about five innings and you're giving up about four to five runs. No, it's just not uh, – he's just not getting the job done. It's, uh, that's the easiest way to, uh, to say it with him. 
And with Carlos Rodon, like you said, making his debut, question is, is he going to be a pitch count on a pitch count? How much, you know, how's he going to look coming out of the gate? So, you know, there's going to be a lot of eyes on Carlos Rodon, you know, making his Bronx debut. I'm very, very curious about that one. Very, because that was an argument that David Haw and I had. Uh, David Haw wanted the Cubs to back up the Brinks truck and bring him in uh, to the North side. And I said, absolutely not. I wanted him nowhere near, nowhere near my Chicago Cubs. And I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that I felt that way. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Game two has Drew Smiley on the mound. Like I said, you know, Drew Smiley seven and five, but he's got an area of four ten. but it just, you know, he's only gone 3.2 innings in his last two starts, gave up three runs against Milwaukee in 3.2 innings, gave up seven runs against Philly in 3.2 innings. He did good against Pittsburgh, but he only went five innings, giving up zero runs, but three hits. But it's just like the guy, it, it just he's throwing a ton of pitches. He's just not going very deep into games, and it's hurting the Cubs' bullpen. So we need this guy to get back on track. Yeah, this would be a nice, uh, a nice night to get back on track. There's no doubt about that in game number two. And uh, Garrett Cole, awfully tough. Yep, he got a loss last time out against St. Louis. He went six innings pitch, gave up six hits, only two earned runs. So, you know, the loss, that was one of those losses you can't really blame him on. Against yeah. Texas, he went only 4.2 innings, gave up nine hits, had seven strikeouts, one walk, gave up three earned runs. But, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of hits. He threw a lot of pitches, didn't go deep. And then against Seattle, he went 7.1 innings, gave up four hits and one earned run. So he's he's a tough customer, let's put it that way. Yeah, he's tough, and, and the Cubs have been striking out quite a bit as of late before the Brewers series, so hopefully that's not something they uh, get back into against Garrett Cole. That takes us into the uh, the last game before the All-Star break, Crawley. Yeah, hard to believe that we've we've, we've gotten this far here, but uh, you got Kyle Hendricks at 3-3 three and three versus 264 ERA versus a certain right-handed pitcher who did some special things against Oakland, Domingo Herman. Five and five with a 4.52 ERA. We know Kyle has been doing really well. You know he's just uh, he he's got uh, the last game against Milwaukee went six innings pitch, gave up one earned run. He didn't factor in the decision against Phillies. He went he got the loss seven innings, gave up only three runs, and then against Pittsburgh six point one innings, gave up only one run. So, you know, Hendricks is, is really doing well, and, and we're excited to see that. But, you know, the Domingo Herman is one of these guys that just had an unbelievable start two starts ago. He had a perfect game, Dustin, against the Oakland A's. Perfecto. I know, I know it's, you know, some people say, well, it's Oakland, but you know what, man? It, it's so hard. That's why it's happening. They get paid so too, right? History, they, they, they get paid too. Right. And then the next time out against Baltimore, he went 4.1, gave up nine hits, two earned runs. A lot of times when you throw a lot of those pitches, we saw that when Kyle Hendricks had the one hitter, we saw that uh, when Drew Smiley nearly pitched the perfect game that the next time out, they just really kind of don't go very deep into games. So interesting to see what kind of start he's going to have against the Cubs. Yeah. Fingers crossed that he does not have uh, the same type of stuff and he's been enjoying the, uh, the high life, if you will, from a, uh, uh, perfecto. I saw on social media, the wife threw a, a little get together to celebrate the perfecto had a nice little spread, nice cake, nice, uh, drinks, nice, uh, food. So hopefully that, uh, will, uh, uh, take care of it. Yeah, hopefully. And, 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 you know, 
we got some interesting names on the hot and not. How about how about Cody Bellinger, man? No, oh, I mean hot, like smoking hot. He is he is back, ladies and gentlemen. He's at his last fifteen at bats or last twenty eight at bats. He has fifteen hits, one home run, six RBIs. Listen to this slash line: five thirty six, five thirty three, seven fourteen. That is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Seiya Suzuki is six for nineteen. Um, so he's slashing 316, 435, 421. Trey Mancini's looking okay. He doesn't have a lot of at bats, only 10, but he's got four hits and three RBIs. So that's a 400, 333, 400 slash line. So a couple hot guys right now for the Cubs. As far as cold, you end up with uh, a couple guys that, you know, have kind of come up. You're starting to see the league adjusted Jared Young. He's three for his last 20 with two RBIs and eight strikeouts. They're throwing him that high fastball, and he's slashing 150, 261, 250. And Mike Talkman, four for his last 20, or I'm sorry, three for his last 22. Yeah, uh, but, the, but, but the one was huge, so the, we oh, have to yeah. give him a little bit of a break, right? Four RBIs, but he is slashing 136, 269, 182, but he definitely saved my night last night. Absolutely. You had a nice night indeed. All right, let's go over to the uh, Yankees. What, what should we be expecting? Man, the Yankees, like I said, they're just, they, they look really good. Their center fielder, Isaiah Kinner Falefa, he's eight for his last 21 with an RBI. He's slashing 381, 440, 476. And their shortstop, Anthony Volpe, is eight for his last 22 with two home runs, three RBIs. He is slashing 364, 364, 727. So be careful with Volpe, please. Yeah, he's a guy you don't want to get, uh, don't want to be ignorant with. And then in the not category, our old buddy Anthony Rizzo, he's really struggling. Hey, we got we got a couple of old buddies struggling here, and and, and I was looking at the names, and it was Glabar Torres is struggling. But yeah, Rizzo is two for his last seventeen, and he's slashing one eighteen, three eighteen, one eighteen. So really struggling. And also former Cub DJ Lemayhu is two for his last 18 with a one RBI slash and 111, 261, 111. All right, prediction time, Crowley. Big three-game series ahead of the All-Star break. Uh, you want me to go first or you want to go first? Go ahead. You can go ahead and go first. Well, I don't like these pitching matchups. You always bring this up. I do not like these pitching matchups at all. Now, hopefully, Carlos Rodon is going to be limited, um, but Jamison Tyone is the opposition. So that, that I'm not uh, – I'm fuzzy on that one. I got to go Garrett Cole in game number two. And then we have to hope that Kyle Hendricks is still feeling good off his game. And Domingo Germain is living high on the hog. So I'm going to say one out of three, unfortunately, Crowley. I say, I only see one win this weekend and that might be game number three. I'm with you hundred percent. Number th- game number three is the one that I have the Cubs winning with Kyle Hendricks on the mound. I'm, you know, I feel pretty good about that. The others, I don't feel good about it all. And so, you know, it could be great to get two out of three and go into the All-Star break on, on somewhat of a high, but, you know, it, it's it just doesn't look very likely. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W on Facebook, Instagram, and email us, flythew670, gmail.com, and you can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crowley, have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk uh, early next week and talk a little all-star break, talk a little home run derby, and talk about the outlook for the second half of the Cubs season. Absolutely. And, you know, if you can make it there in New York, you can make it anywhere. So let's try to get some wins. Go Cubs! It's all over.